podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 206 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. The morning after uh, a poor performance, got to be said, against Luton Town in the fourth round of the FA Cup, uh, consecutive 2-1 defeats to Luton Town this season, and, and a game that was, that, that was void of, of any quality, you'd probably argue, on, on both sides, or almost quality, you, you would say. Um, simple question, Lee. We were both there. What went wrong? That's very straight to the point, mate. Um, <laughs> where do you even start? Um, I felt the game from the get-go yesterday um, was was pretty flat, wasn't it? Both from from a fan's perspective and and players' perspective, to be honest. It was a really scrappy game. Both teams. Let's be honest, didn't really show much quality. Um, you'd probably say Luton had the better chances overall in terms of big chances created. Virginia kept a couple out, brilliant saves. I thought the referee, and I, I know we can't keep on going back in, it's not it's not trying to use that as an excuse because we were poor overall as a team, but I thought Simon Hooper was, was, was a disgrace yesterday. He was absolutely dreadful. It's like we were playing as the away side. Now, look, you shouldn't get automatic decisions if you're a home team, and understandably, obviously. But it's widely, you know, thought of in the game. If you are the home team, that you do get, tend to get the 50-50 decisions. And second half, I was looking at it, going, he's giving a foul every single time for them over us. And I looked at the stats. I think they we we got 12 free kicks against his second half, and they had, uh, and, the, and we had four, uh, sorry, 12 fouls to four, so three to one. And he was just given absolutely every, every 50-50 throw-in, every time was it a corner or not. I mean, even their first goal, it clear, from where I was sitting in the upper Bullens, it clearly came off Townsend, who tried to redirect the shot. He let it run through his legs, and he tried to redirect it, almost as if to obviously catch the keeper out. The referee did that classic gesture of, you know, holding his hands up, going, I don't know whether it's a goal kick or not. All right, right, free kick, um, corner. And everyone was like, everyone went nuts, understandably, because most people saw it was deflected off Townsend. And then obviously it was clearly a foul on Calvert-Lewin. So then you, you then you just like, oh, everything's conspiring against you here. And at the moment, I think as a fan base, I think we can all attest to this. You know, we've been punched so many times this season now. It, it, it kind of feels like we're, you know, we're all punched out. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it just feels like. You know, it even feels like that that way in the ground, doesn't it? With everything going on with the Premier League, you know that Goodison should have been bouncing yesterday. That could be, you know, let's be honest, Goodison's last FA Cup tie, couldn't it? Could well be Goodison's last FA Cup tie that. And it just feels like the energy's been sucked out of us, and 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 the, the sort of performance reflected that yesterday. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and and it's almost. There's a lot hanging over the club. Um, we discussed obviously this kind of this kind of thing at length over the last last so many weeks and months. And um, this second charge obviously hitting us when the first charge has not been dealt with. Obviously, we're waiting for the appeal to to be to be heard. 
Um, we, we we just don't know where we are, and and I think that certainly plays into to us as fans. You know, go, going the game. I I said I remember saying a few months ago how, how I'd, I'd got back to enjoying going going the match. This was this was before the you know the um, the second charge hit. That's that's for sure. But I'd enjoyed going back to Goodison Park and enjoy what I was seeing. You know, we started to be winning games. You know, we when we beat beating Chelsea and Newcastle. Um, obviously, we were doing well away from home, and he just thought it. We're getting back now to a little bit of normality. You know, even after after the ten points came off, you could see. You know, everyone was together. Uh, and I think as a fan base, you, you sit here now and you think, you know, we've been charged again. The takeover still hasn't gone through or been ejected. It's just dragging on and on and on. You know, Bramley Moor is, 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 we know it's 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 not far away from being built, but are we sure with the the, the, the funding on that in terms of we got all the money for that? You know, we, we're living off loans from from potential owners and, and it's just all this uncertainty plays into certainly fans thinking, you know, and fans, are, you, you, you see it on social media, fans are almost getting a little bit sort of, well, dejected and a bit fed up and, you know, the way the way modern football is, all, you know, combined now, you know, with, with, with everything else, it's 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 a tough, it's a tough thing. And, and who's to say, you know, this now isn't in the mind of the players and that potentially the manager, they are human beings. And we're, we're just, we're guessing, aren't we, of course, and it's simple to sit here and say, everything is shite. You know, we saw it last night after the game. That's all I was saying. Everything is just shite. Well, okay, yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we haven't played well. But what, what's, what's the, what's the reasons behind it? There's more to it than just saying that, in, in my opinion. And we weren't great, and they weren't great, and you know, we, there was no real quality, and everything just don't seem to be comfortable holding the ball at times and having that possession. And that's why we are on a possession side, and that's why when we've won these games over the course of this season, it's very much we, we give possession up, but. Give possession up, but you've got to then work work your backside off. Then everyone's got to work as a unit. And, and if one or two don't, it falls apart. But there's a lot going on, and a lot that, that plays into, I think, how how uh, poorly things are going at the moment. And I think people have to remember that it's it's hard for us. It's hard for the players as well. We just want we just want a bit of clarity. Is probably the the, the main thing I would say. Um, and it is a little bit of a chore. And a bit of a grind at the moment, and we know we've got a paper thin squad, and we know we're not going to probably bring anyone in before the window closes in a few days' time. We're all sort of accepting of that, uh, but it, it's still we still think it's Luton Town. You know, they, they beat us once at the start of the season, which was which was really poor in a game that we really should have won. So beat us again, that's poor as well. So take even taking everything out of the equation, just on on paper and on its own merits, it's it's not good enough to to be beaten at home by. By a poor Luton Town side, but but Peter, I'll, I'll bring you in there. What what's your take on on the game yesterday? Obviously, I've thrown a few a few things out there from from my perspective. There, there's, there's, there seems to be more to it, doesn't it, than just saying we're a poor side? Yeah, I think your analysis was was spot on, Mike. I, I, I do. Um, like you say, the the club has been through so much, and you know to look at that initial kind of you know resurgence and strength and coming together the players and the clubs the club and the, the the fans showed to you know to go on a run and um I wouldn't say undo the 10 points I don't think that's the right way of, of thinking about it but to get that momentum to kind of pull us out of the bottom three I mean that was just an astounding achievement you know particularly psychologically and then as you know as you allude to the 
the maybe the further setback that we've faced. I mean, that that's massive, isn't it? And, and like you say, Mike, it, it occurs in the context of you know a squad that looks like it's getting thinner. Um, you know, injuries to key players. So there, there's many, many moving parts to to this. But what what did interest me though? You were talking a, a little bit about um, the the defeat to Luton in in the league at home, and I, I think that's a good reference point um, for that game, really, because for me, regardless of the the personnel on on the pitch, that first defeat, we were far the better team. You know, we we could have been two three. I don't think it'd even be over the top to say we, we could have had maybe four goals in the first half when we played them initially. You know, we we were crisp, we were on the front foot, Luton looked really nervous. Um, it was, a, you know, one of the classic cases for us to, if we got the first goal, I think we would have gone on and um, and got many more. And, you know, Luton got something scrappy and, and kind of sat behind it. But from what I saw of the game yesterday, Luton looked like a much more confident outfit and we looked, I, I think, um, a fraction of the Everton we've come to expect under Sean Dyche. Um, I don't think we need to be overly worried about that. But it was a difficult game to to watch and it, it can't have been a, um, a great game to be uh, to be at the stadium at because we, we just looked a bit second to, to most things. I don't think the system that we were playing in was maybe the, the right system for, for Luton and maybe... Dice's hand was was forced a little bit, so it was a bit of a tough watch, really. But I think what you say is absolutely spot on. I think everyone needs to kind of stand back and appreciate the the bigger picture of things, um, you know, particularly for this game. I think I agree with that, Pete. I think the Luton side we saw come to Goodison early on in the season very different to the Luton side we saw yesterday. Hundred um, percent. There's no doubt about it. Since we've had Obviously, that 10-point deduction, which I still think is wrong until a, a full appeal is heard. But, you know, that's sort of, we are where we are with that. That definitely gave them a shot in the arm in terms of, oh, look, there's another team down here. Everyone else has written us and Burnley and Sheffield United off. And then they've kicked on since then. And it's also coincided with 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 Barkley and Townsend coming into their first 11. You know, it doesn't take a, a you know, a really observant uh, watcher of football to know that Barkley is... You know, being their best player for the last two months, really. Um, whether we like it or not, obviously ex Everton, um, and he was arguably one of the best players on the pitch yesterday as well. Uh, taking all the emotion out of it, obviously, and, and, and you know how he left the club and everything else. He was, he didn't have his, you know, an outstanding game, but he was switching the ball, spraying it with both feet. He had a few shots as well. You know, so you know he, he put, as I said, arguably one of the best players on the pitch yesterday. And, Sorry, um, Luton, have, as a result, are probably playing a little bit more football than they were before. You know, that, that Doherty down the left-hand side is getting some good good quality into the box. He's had quite a few assists this season. Again, Patson sort of struggled with him a little bit. Um, and like you said, his hands were forced going 4-4-2. I, you know, if Decore or Gomez was fit, I don't think Beto would have started yesterday. You know, if you look at... We had two really tough games against Palace, didn't we? Two, you know, let's be honest, the first leg, very contentious. Fans going down there on a midweek night, eight o'clock kickoff in the rain. We have the return leg, freezing cold. We, you know, we find a way. Gomez quality wins, wins the game. And to go out like that yesterday, a few days later or a week later, just really frustrating, isn't it? Really frustrating um, when you've had two tight games against Palace just to get to that stage. 
And you know, weirdly, as it was as the, as the clock was ticking, as Tim Krull was wasting another minute on a goal kick uh, yesterday, um, even though it was only five minutes injury time, which again is absurd. Um, you know, you kind of part of you was kind of thinking, we don't want another game here. You know, we don't want to. We don't want to have to go to Luton on a. Let's be honest, it would have been a, probably another eight o'clock kickoff midweek. Do you know what I mean? The, you know, that's just another fixture. Because at the moment, some of our squad, we were on the verge of getting everyone back, and now all of a sudden we're, they're dropping like flies. You know, and if there is a you know a criticism at Dice recently, you know he is very set on his first eleven, isn't he? And and, and he, he obviously has his favoured players. And you know, Luton made five subs yesterday before we made our first one. Because they know they know the context of it, and we have to rest players because we've got games in midweek. You know, we're playing Fulham away on Tuesday, you know, and it was seventy-five minutes gone last night. We still haven't made a still haven't made a change. You know, and, and Decore, whether whether we say it or not, has now pulled up with a muscular injury. You know, he'd been out for a while. Dice threw him in against Villa, and he played the full ninety minutes. You know I mean, if he's been out injured, he shouldn't be playing the full 90 minutes. Gomez was on the bench in that game and didn't come on. You know what I mean? He should have said to him, look, Decore, Dukes here, you've got, you've got 60 minutes tops here, you know, and I'm going to have to pull you off in case you, you know, just, just you know, pre- prevent any injuries, really. And, then, and now he's out potentially for, you know, the next three or four games. And like you said, Pete, he's massive for the way, the way we play. So, you know, if there is to be a, a slight criticism of Dyche, and let's be honest, he's, you know, he's been a year at the club now and, and, and overall I'd say he's done a very good job in trying circumstances. That is one of my criticisms for him is his is reactionary, you know, in-game reactions to subs and to the way, the way the game is panning out. I think good managers see that early and make changes early. You know, I mean, some of them even make changes at half-time. He sort of waits and waits and waits, doesn't he, before, before making changes. He's slow to react to that. And then the last time I said, I think I said to you boys off air, then the last time we played 4-4-2 or we got into a 4-4-2 was part of the game against Luton, wasn't it? And, and, and let's be honest, of all the teams in the league who, who want to face two big centre-halves, you know, sorry, who want to face two big strikers, is, is Luton. You know, they're the, the two big lads at the back, two big lumps. They're not great on the ball. They just want to grab you. They want to win, they want to win you know, aerial duels. They want to win second balls. You know, I thought... I don't know what you think, Mike. Beto several times yesterday was fouled. Um, you know, I mean, look, it's important to put context on this. Beto loves to pin the striker, pin the defender, doesn't he? He likes to back in, he likes to pin them. So there's always a bit of 50 50 going on. But he got absolutely nothing yesterday. And the only time uh, Hooper blew for a foul on him was when he was fouled in the box. He then takes it outside the box, and then the ref blows for a free kick for the same offence. Because it's easier to give a free kick than to give a contentious penalty. So, you know, I, I just thought it didn't really work yesterday. But at the same time, we need to caveat it and say, you know, his options were limited. But he clearly doesn't like Dan Juma, does he? Because Dan Juma, for me, probably should have started yesterday in the 10 behind Calvert-Lewin, if I'm being honest. Yeah, there's, there's been calls for this 4-4-2 for, for months. And every single time, you know, we have an injury, say, to the core, right? Uh, one of the wide players, it's it's you know go four four two and 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 hopefully that 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 experiment which is which happened yesterday has been put to bed because it didn't work and it didn't work probably because the players the, the centre forwards especially aren't used to playing with a partner so at times it just looked like the, the the two of them were going into the same space or they were going for the same ball and 
it just didn't work. So for me, you know, what what does this side know? And they know they know the four five one formation. That's what they know. And like you say, you know, with, with Luton playing these three centre halves, it's it's just bread, their, their bread and butter. You know, long balls coming in, having an, an aerial duel. You know, kicking, you know, launching the ball away, winning a header. That, that's what they want to do. So we played into their hands there. But in terms of the, the, the setup, yeah, it didn't didn't really work. Um, on Beto, we know what Beto's all about. He, he can look like Bambi on ice at times, and you know, he, he can look. We, we know he's, he's unorthodox and things like that. But Beto's game is him running into space and onto a ball and facing the goal. You know, we, we know he can pin people in terms because he's a big lad, but. He's not great at holding the ball up. He slips and he slides, and that's not his game. You've got to give him the ball to sort of run with or run on to. That's what that's when he's best. He gets gets his legs going, and he's, he's got a bit of pace. But in terms of the, the treatments of him, it was horrendous. In terms of the the, the, the the referee, I mean, the first half, I was screaming my head off. You know, from I was in the main stand on the uh, row A, so I was right right on top of it. Every single time the ball got played into Beto. The centre half was dragging his shirt every single time without fail. You know, I know football is a well, it should be a physical game. Contact should be allowed, but there's contact and it was pulling the shirt off a man's back. And he got nothing, as you say, until the incident when it was a penalty and he waited for him to go out of the box to then give a free kick because it's much easier to do that. So it's not it's not a foul in the box, but it's a foul outside of the box. This is why why you know I go ballistic over officiating. I'm not sitting here saying you would have won the game if that would have been better yesterday. But a lot of things happened yet again, and we discuss it on a weekly basis. And it's really poor. You know, that that's just that's just the porn, in my opinion. The foul on Calvert Loon for their first goal, it's blatant. The fact it wasn't even a corner, it's blatant. But they look, you know, in the second half, Simon Hooper looked at Sean Dice to ask him what way the, the uh the throwing should be going. You've got a linesman and you've got the you've got the referee. Both within sort of twenty yards of, of the incident, how can't you see it? Why are you asking? Also, Mike, Mike. Also on that, while while you mention those points, the biggest, the biggest, the worst decision of the lot was when we won the ball back in midfield. It was fizzed into Dom. Dom flipped it around the corner for for for, for McNeil. McNeil's going through one on one, literally one on one. Raise, you know, have a shot of the keeper. Likely would have scored because he's a decent finisher, and the lineup sticks his flag at. But it's clear under the VAR objectives that we're in last night, because VAR was in the game yesterday, right? That you don't flag until the phase of play is over, and then you check the goal if it goes in. So the yeah, you know, the only time the liner ever sticks their flag up in those circumstances when they're about five, ten yards offside. Mm. So it's a clear decision. It was marginal at best, and he's through one on one. He sticks his flag up, Manil. Everyone stops, and then you watch it post game, and it's obviously been all over Twitter. And he was onside. Mm. Oh, it, it looked it looked at best, you know, it, it would have been one of those draw the lines job, wouldn't it? Because it was that tight. So, so hold on, McNeil's threw one on one on a very very tight call, and the and the line of six is flagger. I mean, everyone went nuts at that, and then I, I thought, well, Don must have been miles off. And then you watch the replay after the game, and you see that it was a marginal call at best. I, I was I was directly in line with that, directly in line. And it was one of those occasions where the defender sort of steps up and the attacker moves forward, you know. And it was obvious to me that it wasn't offside. And everyone around me, it wasn't offside. And like you say, the very, at the very least, as the assistant, you keep your flag down and you let let it play out. 
you see what happens, and then you go back, to, obviously, via VAR to have a look to see if it was bad. They're the instructions, but they just do what they want. We know this. They, they don't. They don't basically play by the rules. The officials themselves, in terms of what they what they get told. You got the referee giving an offside when the, the linesman didn't, and it's like, well, wh- why why are you doing that? Was that, that the, was that the, the Onana shot, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah when, yeah, when yeah. Beto sort of then sort uh, he's in there with the defender, and it would have gone, I think, for a corner, and and, and he's given he's given um, offside there, and again it happened against Villa. The referee was given offside, and and the the assistant wasn't. I just don't understand how how when he's behind the play, the referee, and not in line with the last man, how can you then give an offside? It's just it, it it baffles me. But I don't want to spend all show discussing officials because I think people seem to think that. Because we discussed it yesterday on Twitter, ju- ju- just for a bit of variety, because all, all people were saying we're Evan is shite, and people seem to think that we're, we're trying to excuse that performance. We're not, but you've got to, You can't just say you can't just make a, 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 a comment and not look at what happens over the course of the ninety minutes, and that is a big part of it. The fact that we see this on a weekly basis and it's appalling. It gets it doesn't get any better, and we, we're being saved up something like that, which we shouldn't even have to have to think about. You know, it should be, yeah, okay, people can make mistakes. You've got technology at your disposal all the time. And by the way, when things went to VAR, so there was one where the ball went out for a throw-in, and apparently it went to VAR for a red card check on, on Tarkovsky. And it's like, well, no one in the ground knew what was going on. No one in the ground was, was told, you know, even in the Premier League, you normally get flashed on the screen, and at some point, and it'll say, VAR check, red card, whatever it might be. In the FA Cup, no one's any the wiser. You know, you just you're sitting there. The referee's gone wait there, and you just you just sitting there waiting. And it's just. It, but it's the just, thing is, mate, Luton went to take the went to take the throw. Yeah, that's the thing. Well, they went to take the throw. No one's even appealing for a red. It was just a coming together between um, Tarkovsky and their player, and they went to take the quick throw. And the refs like, no, wait there, hold on, we got we got to review this for two minutes. Might be a red. It's not as if they're going nuts yeah. surrounding the ref going. He just elbowed him there. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. just like. That's that's the joke of it. It's kind of like they're finding ways to slow the game down. It's yeah. As no, I said, look, you don't want to go out. You don't want to go over that. You don't want to harp on about it. But at the end of the day, Hooper, who's come to Goodison a few times, he's like a little fat penguin sitting in the middle of it. You know, like an old old school uni ref. You know what I mean? That doesn't leave the halfway line and just like making decisions from like fifty yards away. He's absolutely useless. I've seen him a few times at Goodison. He has that. Little, and here's one for you. And I know this is a joke. You were laughing at this, Mike, because I said to you after. So I got to the ground about half an hour before kickoff. I don't always get there that early, but I did. And I was watching the players warm up and they're warming the keepers up. Now, Hooper and his team were warming up by the bottom of the lower bullings there in the corner, just doing their stretches. And Pickford went to Virginia. You'll love this, Pete. He nudged Virginia and goes, watch this. And he actually fizzed one, right? No joke. And hit, hit Hooper on the back from like, <laughs> literally from like 70 yards, 60 yards away, like flush on the back. And the referee turned around going, what was that? What was that? Obviously, clearly stung him on the back. Turns around and then Pickford's like laughing his head off. And he obviously they exchanged something. Now, look, it was only a joke. And then the guy next to me, I was at the game, we just kind of went, hey, there you go. There's our decisions going against us this game. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just like laughed it off. But then in reality, you know what? Something stupid like that could be like, all right, all right, I'm going to give everything saluting today. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know it's obviously, look, I'm being facetious. But the point is, you know, you have to you have to comment on it, like you said, because it, it's over and over and over again. We shouldn't be talking about the referee. We say it a million times. But having said that, and you raised the point before, 
Everton's first half performance especially was well short of it, wasn't it? It started in the first few minutes. The ball was laid out to Mikalenko, who overall had another good game yesterday, by the way. You know, and he tried to swivel on it, didn't he? He tried to do a little pirouette on it, lost the ball. It led to a chance. Townsend whipped it in and went over the bar. Then they had another two shots again in the first two minutes. Again, look, keeper wasn't troubled, but we just looked slow and sloppy. When you want to be starting on the front foot, that was far from it. And then we got to sort of grips with it. But then our passing, in, particularly in the final third, was, was, was so, so poor. So poor. I mean, there was, a, there was an exchange where McNeil got on the ball, played a little one-two with um, James Garner. Garner's there, just nudge it back into his path and he's got a one-on-one. And he knocked it out for a goal kick. Mm. You know what I mean? And you're thinking, that, that's the difference there between, you know, a really top side and, and, and what you'd say, like, you know, a, a, a mediocre side. Because if that's, you know, Phil Foden, it's not going to be a misplaced pass, is it? You know what I mean? He's going he's gonna to slide him in. It'll probably lead to a goal. And there was so many examples of that yesterday where we were overhitting little passes in the final third in particular. And, you know, you touched on it before. There's a reason why we win a lot of our games when we have, what, 30, 40% possession. It's because of that. We, we just don't like being on the ball. We're not built that way. Dice's tactics aren't really set up for that. We almost want teams to play out from the back. Now, maybe on Tuesday when we play Fulham, we like to pass it round. We like to get on the ball. We like to play out from the back. You know, it may, it'll probably suit us a bit more, won't it? Yeah, may, maybe so. Maybe so. You know, a lot of things went wrong and we got wrong yesterday, that's for sure. I mean, I'd say those second half, we... we we started a little bit better, didn't we? Um, obviously, we got we got the equalising goal, and that was probably the, the only real bit of, of quality I'd say. Pete in terms of O'Neill does really well on the left hand side, plays it into Beto, who does really well again. It's a tussle, and he spins the ball, doesn't he, out to out to Harrison, and and Harrison's got a bit lucky in terms of the goalkeeper, as you know, ninety nine times out of hundred, he saves it and should save it. It's squirmed under his hand and, and goes in. But at, at that point there, Pete, I mean, I don't know why I did. I thought, right, well, that's, you know, one all. We'll go on and win this now, no problem. We, we, the crowd sort of got up. We reacted to the goal. And we had a, a little spell, a sort of 10 minutes or so, where we were on top and, and, and we're pushing. And um, it just didn't materialise, did it? No, and like you say, it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? The, there was that spell where, you know, that was our opportunity to um to get the second goal and win and win the game and, and we looked like doing it you know we were, we were the better team then we had that we had the momentum but there's just a lot of nearly moments and just a bit of a lack of quality wasn't there in in the final third you know quite a few balls being pumped in from uh the kind of the you know the corner of the kind of 25 30 yard line um to either were you know fairly straightforward for the keeper or you know they're quite lofty to the back post i can't remember um what minute of the game it was, but there was there was a cross that came in that I think uh, came to Chimiti. I think he tried to head it back across goal, and really that that was probably um, our our best chance, other than the uh, the, the Beto one that he he put over the bar. Um, I, th- I think I think it's just one of them. Is that we we did we didn't take our our chances not quite clinical enough. Um, I'm just not quite enough quality, not quite enough threat, and you know, not to place it on the strikers. But I suppose we've got we've got three forwards that are featured in that game that you know maybe all lacking a little bit of confidence and a bit of momentum as well. I, I thought on the whole uh, yesterday, I thought Dom actually had a half decent game. By the way, 
I know he doesn't look like scoring at the minute. That's the other worry. It's not as if he's missing chances like he did against Villa every week. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, but I thought on the whole, he, he, I thought his hold-up play on the whole was very good. I thought, he, 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 you know, his touch is clearly way better than Beto's. Mike, you touched on it before. There's been a lot of clamour for Beto to start games um, more recently because Dom isn't scoring. But then when you see that yesterday, Beto's just not built for balls being played into him. The amount of times our attacks broke down when the ball, you know, we, we did a nice little move when we finally put a few passes together. Then it was played into his feet and then, it, you know, bounces off him, doesn't it? And then his second touch is a tackle. You know, uh, you know, Beto's sort of touch back to goal makes, you know, Lukaku look like Maradona, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's really poor. He, that's not his game, though. And, and he clearly likes to run in behind. There was a couple of occasions where we did get him in behind, but then you know their centre half is is you know just as strong as him, if not stronger, isn't he? You know he's a big lad, and um, you know a lot of the time he didn't get any change out of him. I think he did get goal side of him once, and then uh, it led to a chance. Um, like Pete said, he had another one which dropped to him on a corner. I think if, I think if, uh, the whistle had gone at that point, but again he just snatched at it. He tried to lace it, didn't he? And like was falling over. You know, if that's a top striker there, you know, why are you trying to lace that? The ball's just set up nicely. Just, you know, just hit a hard, hard side side foot volley that into the back of the net. You're trying to lace it as you're falling over there and, you know, blazed it into the Gladys Street. So, I just, the last thing we want now is, is our fans. You know, they were starting to turn yesterday. They were starting to turn on him. They were starting to turn on Harrison, who had a difficult first half. But all credit to Harrison. He kept his head up. You know, he, he literally tried and tried and tried. Everything he was trying wasn't really coming off. But, you know, and then second half, he improved and he got the goal. And there was a bit of fortune about the goal, but he still took it well. You know what I mean? He took it off the defender. The defender slipped over. Dom made a great run and pulled the defender away. And he hit a nice shot in the bottom corner. And look, the keeper should save it all day. You're right. But the point is, he was under pressure from their left back coming in, making a slide tackle. I thought initially on first viewing at the game, he could have took it on a bit more. He shot too early. But actually, in reality, if you look at it on the replay, the slide came just in as he as he was getting his shot off. And it was a decent shot. He struck it well. You know, he had a couple of half chances after that. One that fell to him on a volley, didn't it? A good ball by McNeil on the break. He actually picked him out back post. That's one of those. He's tried to hit, you know, a sidewinder volley, hasn't he? You know, and it, that was really difficult technique, really. Um, but credit to him. You know, Harrison seems to be getting a lot of attention from some of the, some of the boo boys in the ground at the minute. Um, and look, sometimes he, he he doesn't give the ball quick enough. Sometimes he does, you know, dally on the ball. But I think he's the least of our worries at the minute, if I'm being honest. You know, as a team, we need to get back to where we were in December when we were having 20-plus shots a game, on, you know, quite regularly as well, weren't we? Right, right now, we just don't really look like scoring a goal. Now, at the back, we've been pretty solid. You know, they're the first two goals we've conceded, I think, Mike, in, in four games, is it? I think we've had four clean sheets up until then. So, you know, the worrying thing is that we've played Luton twice at home now. We've conceded from four set pieces, which is just unbelievable. You know, they scored four goals at our place and every single one has been from a set piece. And that's so unlike us. We know we're normally very solid this season. In general, uh, we've been more solid at the back. But I just thought, you know, if we're not scoring scoring goals, which we're not free-flowing at the minute, you know, we do need those clean sheets, as we've shown in previous games. Yeah, we, we do, we do, and obviously we we, we grounded out against Villa, the, the nil nil draw, the the the, um, the first game in the cup against Palace. You know, you could argue we we 
could have maybe should have or we should have won the game, should I say? And obviously, Don got sent off late on, which, as we know, got rescinded. Um, and then you look at the game um, against uh, against Luton yesterday, and it was it was it was night and day, you know, in in terms of in terms of what we're seeing um, and that resilience, and you know, looking look sloppy from, from set pieces. And like you say, you know, when we were winning games, I mean, we were going through that 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 good good spell. It was a case of. We were creating 15, 20 chances a game. And, you know, we know we're not the the, the, the greatest side to watch in terms of free-flowing football. But we, what we were doing, we were creating a lot of chances from set pieces um, and putting sides under pressure that way. So we were having sort of 30, 35% possession. But we were, we were efficient when we when we had the ball on the counter, as I say, getting getting free kicks and corners and, and putting them under pressure. Whereas that, that seems to have gone a little bit in terms of, the last, the last, the last sort of four, four or five weeks, especially where we're not really causing many problems, so we're having to grind things out. And we did it, you know, in terms of, like I say, the the Palace replay, we grounded out in, in a poor game, a bit of quality from Gomez. We grounded out against Villa, like I said as well. So we've we've got to, if we aren't creating a great deal of chances, we've got to then be really, really solid. And, and our bread and butter should be defending set pieces. That was one thing that when Sean Dice came in, we looked all right at actually doing in terms of defending, and we were causing problems in in the uh, the opponent's box as well. So we, we've got to get back to that. Um, we know we've got players, a few players missing. The Corey, the, the biggest miss of them all. You know, Garner Gay, I don't, he's he's back. He's playing for Senegal uh, at, at the uh, African Cup of Nations, which is good for us in terms of him getting minutes in in, in his legs. Um, Ashley Young played 75 for the under 21s and was on the bench yesterday. We're still missing, obviously, Seamus Coleman as well. Um, so we, we are still a few players short of our full squad, and we were really, really close to getting them, getting them all back in. But um, I think it's it's a it's a game that I mean, me personally, I will be dwelling on it. I think the the only the biggest concern for me from the game is what it does to Luton in terms of from a a mental perspective now they you know it gives them a little bit of a boost over over us given of you know where we are on the table currently um and and what it does it does to our players as well you know they got booed off at half time and they got booed off at full time and because it's not any day of the week it isn't acceptable in in our minds as Everton fans to, to be losing back-to-back games against Luton um and whatever's going on and whatever the players are going through and um as I said we've discussed that already we still expect a certain level of performance. Uh, and, and I think even if Everton played at sort of 60% there yesterday, they win the game. And that's that's, that's always the, the disappointing thing. Um, but we are where we are. And the game's, you know, the game's coming around again after this winter break that we had. You know, we had we had 10 days to prepare. The players went went on holiday had a few few days away. Uh, we've now got we've now got obviously another game coming up in in, in the shape of Fulham uh, on Tuesday. And <laughs> That's, you know, they, they come around thick and fast, and we could be, you know, we've got a chance to put things right in, in, in a short space of time. That's the that's the really the really important thing. But we're going to take a short break and discuss that um in a couple of minutes, time. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Chancy podcast. As we, we look ahead to our next game, obviously Fulham, Tuesday night. Um horrible midweek game, especially when you're traveling so far. Um but we are where we are, and, and a Fulham side who lost as well as well as us. They got beat by Newcastle in the fourth round of the FA Cup by two goals to nil at home. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at any kind of positive that I can find 
Um, but we you know it was only a few weeks ago we played Fulham, and and it seems to be that game, Pete, doesn't it? There the the quarter final at Goodison Park at the at the League Cup when we we were one kick away from the the semi final, missed a penalty, and from that moment, from that game, that's when the wheels have almost come off our season a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think it was a, it was a tough way to lose a game where we came back into it and we were the better team. And I, again, it, it doesn't benefit us to to dwell on it. But, you know, we had the crucial moment to win the game that we didn't take. And, you know, that's that's always really hard to take as fans. And it would have been really tough on the players as well. Um, but, you know, Fulham have had a, a little bit of a, a dip in form as well since that game. You know, they lost to Burnley. They lost quite badly to Bournemouth. Um, they got a great result against Arsenal, but since then they, they have looked at um, you know a little bit off it. Obviously losing to to Chelsea, um, getting beat by Newcastle, so they look like a tired team to me as well. I know they'll have the the advantage of being at home, but it's an opportunity, isn't it? Isn't it first to try and avenge that game, and hopefully the players can use that as a bit of fuel. And I'm sure you know Sean Dyche will be talking to them about that as well. Um, and the importance of that for the for the fans, but yeah, it's it's not a game I look forward to. Um, it's it's a football cliche, isn't it? That, that there's no easy games now in the second half of the season. Um, but it, it's an opportunity for us to kind of get a bit of momentum back, and I, I think any points uh, would really just help set in a little bit of stability. I think maybe was some fans are starting to get a bit anxious about things. I think you think you're right, and and you know we are because that the form has been so poor in the league, and you know you you look to try and get some kind of momentum, some momentum all the time, and the importance, and we look to try and get momentum from anywhere, and that's why losing a home fourth round cup tie against uh, another uh, Premier League side who are below you is all is always going to be disappointing, and it's it's a little opportunity to try and to try and get something going, but you know Fulham had the the luxury, I mean, I know they lost, lost the game against Newcastle, but they, you know, they made quite a few changes. They, they rested a few of the key players. I mean, the likes of um, Willian came on, Jimenez came on, and, and uh, Paulinho came on. You know, they they weren't playing from the start, so they got the luxury of, of taking those players out out for the majority of the game and just using them for for a handful of minutes. Whereas we're likely going to go in with the same side again potentially on on Tuesday. You know, players who most of them. Have played ninety. I know we made a couple of changes with with uh, Dwight McNeil and Calvert Lewin with about say thirteen, fourteen minutes to go. Um, but it's just another big ask, isn't it, to go in there with with the same eleven almost? I mean, the chances are we won't be going four four two. That that's for sure. So we might see Dan Juma in there. Ashley Young might come in to be fair and, and play Ashley Young as as one of the one of the wide players, um, and and then do something and go back to to that four five one. But it's as I say. Other other sides, other squads do have a luxury of rotating players and using players in cup games that don't get used in the league. Whereas us, Lee, we haven't got that that at our disposal, so it makes things that a little bit more difficult yet again to go in there with the same sort of 11, 12 players and ask them to go and to go and try and do a job. Yeah, and that's the reason why he caught up with us, didn't he? Over the festive period, we had a really very solid start to the first half of December, and then it tailed off towards the end because. Let's be honest, the players were absolutely on their arse, um, you know, which culminated in the Wolves' performance, didn't it, where we just looked completely dead, you know, against a Wolves side that, you know, 
um, we're, on, we're on a half-decent run of form at that point. I can guarantee you now, if we'd have played that same Wolves game during our run at the start of December, we'd have probably seen a very different game. But it did culminate in that. We have had this mini winter break now, which is, to be honest, borderline farcical because everyone seems to be off at certain different times and some people have longer than others. And, you know, the fact we've come straight back from that and then we're playing again, you know, a game, we're playing Fulham away, you know, late on a Tuesday night, you know, having played, you know, three o'clock on a Saturday. It's just, it's just bonkers again, but, you know, it is what it is. The fixture schedule and everything else, you can see why managers get really frustrated with it. And look, it does affect some teams more than others. And this is where you tend to find that eventually the teams with the bigger, with the bigger squads tend to sort of rise to the top around this, around the, the, you know, the congested fixture times. Because it's obvious because you're taking off players of certain level and you're bringing on players at the same sort of level. We don't have that luxury. Far from it. You know, we're one of the thinnest squads in the league. It only takes three or four injuries in certain positions. And, and, and we're, you know, we're really, really struggling to put out a competitive side. Um, but having said that, football sport in general is all about momentum, and you know we need to we need to address that. We need to try and get on the front foot because Dice will be saying to the players here whether they, whether they like it or not. This Fulham game now is huge, and the reason it's huge is we've got Spurs at home, and then you know we've got City after that, haven't we? So you know two really really tough games there. Um, I mean Spurs, let's be honest, play very open in a weird way. It kind of may suit us. They like to play out. And, you know, we should have got something at their place. We were the better side that day. Um, I think most people would agree with that. We had a, a goal, ironically, Dom's goal was wrongly, in, in our case, ruled out for a foul. But, you know, those those next couple of fixtures though, won't be easy. We know that out of all those three, you'd probably say Fulham is probably the most winnable. And we need to, we need to get a win. We need a win from somewhere just to give us a lift, not just the players as well, but also the fans. We need something because if Luton win this game in hand, we're suddenly back in the bottom three again, aren't we? And that, you know, yeah. then it's a psychological barrier with that as well. So I, I do genuinely think we need to try and you know try and get something out of this game. But you know, Marco Silva, you know, he's looking at that full uh, the, the game in the midweek against us, isn't he? He clearly is. He, he rested a lot of his players yesterday. You listed a few there. You know, they're going to be fresher going into that game now. You know, Daesh is, 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 like you said, is pretty much going to go with that with that same 11 bar, maybe one or two players. So the players are going to, you know, whether we like it or not, they, they are going to be, they're going to have a bit of weight in the legs in, in the second half of that game. So, you know, you've just got to hope in those sort of games, we know it's going to be fairly tight. You've just got to hope that, you, you know, you get that first goal. You know, the stats tell you everything, don't you? With, you know, every time we seem to have scored the first goal, we've gone on and, and got something out of the game in general. So you know, if we get that first goal, then you know that that sort of, you know you're not thinking about being tied then, are you? But if Fulham score first, you can tell you now some some heads will drop, and and that's just that's that's the way it is. So we do we do need for me in this Fulham game to to, to get a result, and and when I say a result, I, and I, and it won't be easy because they, they are a decent side for me. We need to try and go there and win. Correct, yeah. I mean, the, the games have obviously come after you mentioned the Spurs at home, which is a, a half twelve on a, on uh, on Saturday. You know, a difficult game given the, the form that Spurs are finding themselves in. Um, hopefully, obviously, Son isn't available for that game given the fact he's, he's still away, isn't he, with with uh, with South Korea at the Asian Cup. But even so, they've still quality throughout, and and they, they've sort of it's a little bit of form again, and and that's going to be difficult, but. 
you know, we, we have to look back at the game that we, you know, against them at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Everton should have won the game. Everton was absolutely terrific in that game. So, no, you know, no, no fear with them coming to Goodison Park. But out of the next three games, this is the one you look at and think, what's, which one's most winnable? And this is the one. And, and it's a difficult game. You know, we, we've said that and we've explained why. But if you look at the three of them on paper, you've got to look to pick up points, I think, in this one. If you then get, get a draw against Spurs, then four four points from two games is is, is a decent return before you then go to the, the Dortmund tax of going of going to Manchester City, which we all know how difficult that is. Um any season, you know, and, and given the fact we're going there in the second half of the season when they, they generally are in very, very good form, it, it's even more difficult. Um but we've we've got to we've got to try and try and win this game. And and I say it's so difficult with with the fact that the, the squad is so thin. Um, but the, the manager's got to look now to, to get back to that 4-5-1. I'm sure that he will. It will not be 4-4-2 away from home against Fulham in the Premier League. But you've got to look then, OK, well, if we're going to go back to that, who can come in, given the fact that the core is injured? And to say, the most obvious one is probably Ashley Young. You know, we know he's, he's, he's fit as a fiddle, he, you know, at, at age 74. He can still he can still string together multiple 90 minutes. Um, he played 75, like we said earlier. For the twenty ones, he was on the bench yesterday, so he's he's ready to go for me. And as much as I know he's had his, his, his detractors this season, myself included, if you put him further forward, which we we saw, I think it was against Burnley in the in the League Cup of Goodison, um, he, he did that, and he looked all right, he looked okay. Um, so I would put him in front of Nathan Patterson to give him a bit of cover as well, because Patterson struggled at times. I thought I thought yesterday as well. So bring Ashley Young in. Um and and go back to, to to what we know and and I think then you can you can then throw Harrison inside as the ten and keep McNeil as the you know out on the left hand side he does tend to struggle when you ask him to go right or or even even centrally uh, but but get back to, to to doing what we know um but it's just do you think McNeil looks fit at the minute by the way I, no, he doesn't look all, right to me he doesn't he, look right he, he, his ankle's no. clearly been patched up hasn't it. Yeah, he's, he was hobbling. I mean, we spoke about it after the game, didn't we? Yesterday, he got he got tackled, didn't he, in the first half, and he, he was hobbling around for for a while. Um, and that was that was just that was just before he actually sprinted into the box on that Michalenko cross and headed the ball towards goal, which obviously was right at, at Tim Krul. But he was struggling for a good while, and obviously he came off with Dom uh, in the in the two changes that we made, and and it was it was obvious that he's he's just he hasn't been right fit. For the majority of the season, it took him a long time to get back to a level after that first injury he suffered against Stoke in pre-season. When he came back in, even then, it took him a while to get back up to full full speed. And I think after the, the latest injury, he's miles off it again. Um, but it's almost needs must. I think if, if we had a bigger squad, then he wouldn't be in. He wouldn't be playing. It's it's as simple as that. You know, he, he was against Villa. He was on the bench and came on, didn't he? And we and we thought he was going to be out for a good few weeks. And the next minute. He's on the bench, so surprising that 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 obviously he's getting so much game time in a sense that he's probably not fit, but unsurprising because there's no one else to, to, to do the job. Um, but let's let's I'm, I'm going to have a, have a brief chat in a second just about the obviously what happened in terms of the the latest Premier League saga uh, and and the Parliamentary Commission letter that's gone back to them. But before we do, let's have any predictions for the Fulham game, Pete? I'm going to go one-one. I think Fulham will score. I think we've struggled to score, but I uh, I'm hopeful we'll, we'll come away with at least some points. Late. 
I'm going to completely agree with Pete. I think I think it'll be a one-one as well. Um, like Pete said before, that then you know they've tailed off a little bit. They're not in the best form. They've still got some dangerous players. You know, Willian comes straight to the forward, and he's 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 a top player. Even though he's not the player he was a few years ago, he's still a top player. Um, we need to keep him quiet. That's why I do agree with you, Mike. I think Young might come in there possibly. Um, I don't think Patterson, as much as a lot of us have been calling for him to start, I don't think he's taken his chance. Um, although I do feel he is being in, you know, maybe Dice is telling him to, you know, instead of buccaneering forward all the time, which is what we see when he plays for Scotland, he does tend to sort of stay back a bit, doesn't he? If anything, it's Mikalenko that gets further forward. Um, but yeah, I do think it'll be 1 1. Um, I'm just praying for a Calvert Lewin goal. I think he, he just needs a goal. If he gets a goal, I think we might start seeing him getting a couple more, two or three. Because, you know, he, 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 we've seen his quality. We saw, you know, he won us the game at West Ham. You know what I mean? People forget that. You know what I mean? He did a lovely bit of skill and, and, and a great finish in the corner. He just needs one of those. He just, you know, if he can get a goal, I, I think it'll start to transform our team. I, I, I really do. Well, it is sliding doors moving, wasn't it, with the, the Spurs goal that he scored that was that was chalked off. I think if that if that is given and, and stays this goal, I think Sean Dice said the same in the press conference of the day. You know, we probably then we're not, we're not even talking about him not scoring. Um but I'm 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 sort of in two minds. I do think we can we can certainly nip a point there. I really do. I think they've got some real quality and, and players who are in, you know, semi decent form. Um we never really enjoyed Going there particularly, um, I think it was was it was a nil nil last season. I remember, I remember Jordan Pickford wearing that orange goalkeeping shirt, me having having a really good game. Um, but I'm I'm going to say I'm going to say nil nil again. Um, I think we'll get something from the game. Three points though is 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 another matter, that's for sure. Uh, but but just to round off, just just a brief a brief bit of bit of chat around the latest in regards to where we are in terms of not so much the appeal process, but the Premier League, in terms of what's what's going on, and you know, they, they sat in front of a, a parliamentary committee, which which we we discussed last week. Uh, but then since then, they've now been asked to to clarify some certain points. The, you know, obviously, a lot of people have made reference to the to the small clubs' comments, but they've been asked to clarify. Been asked to clarify that, which is obviously something that not 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 just ourselves that were included in that. There was other other sides, obviously the forest mainly being the, the other side as well. But for, for them to come out and actually ask the Premier League to clarify what they meant by the uh, the small club's comments is absolutely incredible, really, isn't it? The fact that they probably saw that as a bit of a throwaway comment. I'd probably argue Richard Masters. Um, but there was a lot of uproar after they had that committee hearing. Um, and and the look of the Premier League piece is, is, is not particularly favourable across the board at the moment. Obviously, from the government's perspective, they, they want this regulator to be brought in, as we all do, to be fair. But the, the, the look of the Premier League, you know, across the board is a really, really poor one, isn't it? Well, look, the, the word corrupt has been used a lot in reference to, the, you know, the, the, the point sanctions that have been imposed on Everton, not just from Evertonians. I think at the end of this process, we're truly going to discover how corrupt the Premier League are, because it, it, it's so um, it's so sobering that you know you've got independent organisations 
commissions that essentially are holding the, the, the Premier League to account. And I think that's it's a terrible indictment on on the state of things with the Premier League that you know it's re- it's requiring fan bases and you know independent sporting organisations to turn around to the Premier League to say you know are, are you conducting yourself in in a fair and proper manner and are you know are you holding on to the fundamental tenets of of sport of fair competition. Um, and I, I think the, the the Premier League are, are going to struggle to wrangle wrangle themselves out of this, because if if they continue to take the approach that they've taken with us, I mean, essentially what they're doing is is owning up to a completely nonsensical, unfair process that's been unfair that, that's you know singled Everton out and has been imposed against us. And if they change the process going forward, you know, regardless of whatever they do, um, you know, about the appeal. Essentially, what the Premier League are doing is the they're admitting that they engaged in a um, you know a false and an unfair process. So th- this this is going to play out in a really fascinating way. As an Evertonian, I only care really about first and foremost the outcome for us as a club. But this is potentially going to have huge ramifications for the future of the Premier League. I think I think a lot of football fans are are looking at this with, with a lot of interest, really, because it, it's kind of asking the Premier League, you know, look. Do, do you favour particular clubs, and is that what the Premier League is, or are you going to turn around to you know to the world essentially and justify some of the comments and decisions you've made? And I I just can't see them doing it. Um, it's just, it's just such a a bizarre situation we find ourselves in. But it's it's really really important for us. I think that the Premier League are being challenged by. Um, you know, quarters and sources that come from outside of the club, uh, and I, I think if there's anything that should give us confidence as as fans that you know wrong has been done, um, I think it's some of the responses that we've started to see, you know, in the media. I do agree with you there, Pete. Actually, I think there's there's wider implications than just Everton here, isn't there? That when when we see the results of this. Um, you know, fair play to Caroline. I think it's Dinah, just uh, the you know the culture, media, and sport chair. I think she's come out and obviously wrote the letter, demanding obviously some response from the Premier League. I'm less bothered about the small club uh, comment because that's something that could be, like you said, Pete, classed away as a throwaway comment, or it was said in context or whatever. I'm less bothered about that. What I'm more bothered about is the second point which is they've demanded, haven't they, to see the minutes or the full version of the witness statement provided to the independent commission when working out the formula for Everton's, uh, you know, penalty, if you like. Because obviously, you know, Masters in that, uh, when he sat in front of the committee, did turn around and say, oh, look, we were completely, you know, that was a complete independent panel. We weren't involved. They gave that. When in reality, the formula they gave to the the committee, uh, to, you know, sorry, to the uh, um, supposedly independent commission to give Everton the penalty, I believe ended up being the same points. You know what I mean? Uh, even though the the actual commission came out and said, "Oh yeah, we didn't take that into account." Well, hold on, you both got to the same, you know, to the biggest points deduction or biggest penalty ever given since football's even started. So um, for a Premier League or slash Division One club, so. There's a, there's a lot of holes here and, and you know, like I said, the, a really solid KC, which by all accounts you brought in should, should 
puncture about 20 holes in their argument here. And I do think the more this goes on, and I'm so glad they've come out and raised this, even though, it, again, it's got next to no traction uh, in the media, which, again, makes you think, you know, that's a bit dubious in itself. You know, the Premier League controlling the narrative through some, some of their, obviously, uh, connections they've got in the press. You know, the, the Daily Mail are too, too busy printing front-page news with uh, poster pullouts of Jurgen Klopp. You know what I mean? I mean, look, don't get me wrong, he's been a brilliant manager for them, but, you know, you think the fella had died. You know what I mean? It's absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, I don't expect anything less from Dominic King, though, but how that made the front page is unbelievable, but that's another story. But um, anyway, the point, going back to the original point, I do think there's, you know, Andy Burnham deserves a lot of credit for shining light on this, for getting people involved at, at government level, for getting people to, you know, to write in. Um, he's been probably our biggest spokesperson. Um, you know, he was on a, um, I listened to an interview with him recently with uh, Toffee TV and he came out, uh, it was a good interview actually, and he came out and said, literally, you know, I did an interview with Sky Sports for the Everton Man U game, which was the first game obviously back after we'd had the points penalty. And he said, I'd done that interview in advance. He said, in my whole 20 year career of being a politician and, and lastly a mayor of Manchester, he said, I've never, ever done an interview in the press and literally never had that shown or had it pulled, basically, ever. So the Premier League obviously got wind of that and then had it had Sky pull that off air. I mean, that that in itself is, is a disgrace. You know, we live a democracy here in the UK and, and well, we like to think we do. And the fact that that's not being played from someone as prominent as him is not being played on the game before Man U when it was at, you know, most newsworthy, if you like, that story. And then lastly, this now, this coming out here from, you know, from the committee here who've come out and rightly asked the Premier League to disclose, you know, information that we all need to see. It needs to be a fair and transparent process. We all know it's not. We're getting a load of stick from other fans, especially online or like you've said, you know, you, you've committed a crime, you need to get the penalties. It's all, but in reality, what I'm hoping for here is, is actually this, actual, the whole thing gets uncovered here. And Masters, the more this goes on, and the more pressure we put on, the more it comes from government. His job's becoming untenable for me. His job's becoming untenable. And, and, and I hope it culminates in us not getting what we, sh well, you know, we should get back in terms of the actual process. Because we all know that a crime's been committed, but it's, it's far over the top compared to what it should have been, the punishment. That at the end of it all as well, he, 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 he has to walk away from his position. He has to walk away from it for me. He has to. Because he's, he's, he's been, you know, the way he's handled this whole process, and I said it before on a previous podcast, the biggest irony in all this is that they're using Everton as a scapegoat to show they don't need a regulator, but now it's shown them that they do. Yeah, and, and I think go, going back to the actual letter that's being sent to them to, to clarify things, I think when, when you're being asked that at last, by the way, for, for minutes of, of meetings when apparently it was decided in terms of, what Premier League sides agreed on in terms of punishments for this kind of thing. They want the meet, they want the meeting, uh, meeting minutes for that, and they also want the the clarification and the um, the full version, the witness statements that were provided to the independent commission surrounding, obviously, the punishment that was uh, what they recommended the punishment be to to us. So I think you know when when you start to question. And this, is, this isn't just Everton fans, you know, obviously we, we feel massively aggrieved, of course. When you're getting questioned by government officials 
about your integrity, which is what what they're saying. They're literally questioning the integrity of the Premier League and those in charge of it. You've got big problems then, and they've backed themselves into a corner. They've tried to be hardline with us because of this this lingering independence regulator, which which is going to be coming in. They've tried to show that they can self-govern, and because they've taken this hard line with it all, it's backfiring. And do you know what? What, what, I, what I would say is that other clubs in our position, I don't think maybe their fan bases would have been as hot on it and have reacted in the same way and have kept the pressure on. And that's where I think Everton fans, and especially the likes of the 1878s, people who, who've obviously organised so many things and collections and they've done, you know, they, they, they put um, had a projector on various landmarks in the city um, over the course of the last few days or so. That's where great credit needs to go to because as a fan base and as fan groups, the work has been incredible because this would have all gone quiet and been brushed under the carpet for a lot of other clubs. And I truly believe that. And it's a testament to the strength of our fan base and the belief that we have that we've been massively wrong. And there's, there's, there's other other things at work here, you know, that we've kept the pressure on. And fair play to, to everybody and us all for, for taking part in these things. But those who are organising them, I, I set my hat to them because it's been, it's been incredible. And we'll keep on going. And and the fact we're now getting, even in the quiet period, you know, the the lull, you know, before the the uh, the first appeal is heard and, and we get some kind of outcome, even in that quiet period where, you know, you think the press is going to be sort of off a little bit and, and, and as we've seen with, with the national media, has gone quiet. We've kept it on. Andy Burnham's kept it on, you know, and, and you know, credit to everybody. And we've got to just keep on going with it. But the Premier League looks like an absolute circus. And I'm delighted. Absolutely delighted. Um, but we'll see, obviously. I'll, I'll only be delighted when he, when he, when he, when he's made to, when he has to walk, mate. Personally. I think he will. I think he'll be gone. I think he'll be gone. I've got to be honest. I think he, he's come out of this looking looking really foolish, you know. And, and as I say, when your integrity is questioned, as, you know, the, the chief executive of the Premier League, you know, you, you get to the point where your position becomes untenable, doesn't it? And the, the clock is ticking. But it's like it's like politics, isn't it, lads? You know, if, if he walks, it's just like cutting another head off the snake, which which will grow back. You'll just get replaced with. I'm struggling not not to use choice language, but <laughs> with another, you know, another person of similar caliber. Um, that will kind of hold the same kind of political line. I mean, the, the, the rot in the Premier League goes deep. And like you were saying, Mike, that, that's the best thing about the, the the accountability that the Premier League have, have been asked to, to respond to. Either they do and they show the corrupt or they don't and they show the corrupt. Because for me, the, there's, there's no in-between where the Premier League come back and say, actually, all of this makes sense and we can justify it. And, you know, look, this is a fair due process. Because if that was the truth, then they would have done that initially. I agree. I agree. And and I, I think you always lose faith anyway, given what's gone on with us. You lose faith in the organisation regardless. So even if he is replaced, you, you don't have the hope that the next person that comes in is going to have any more integrity or, or look at things any more fairly than Richard Masters has done. So I think you're always going to have that. Um, but I think the important thing is we, we don't lose sight of the, the fight that we're, we're still in, the, you know, what, what, we're, what we're standing up for. And, you know, other fans of other clubs obviously are now coming around to the understanding that, listen, 
something isn't right here. What 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 is going on? And and it will impact them. And, and you know, the, the January transfer window is is evidence that clubs are now absolutely petrified of what the outcome could be if they do breach any kind of regulations by a pound, effectively, you know. And it's it shows, you know, the, the, the window has been horrendous in terms of transfers, was it? Oh, 30, 40 million pound worth of transfers. That, that's unheard of, you know. I know it's January, but that's unheard of. You know, sides with, with a lot of money who, who look who looking to try and strengthen and aren't. And we're talking, you know, obviously Newcastle are probably one of the main ones, but the likes of Arsenal, saying Arsenal can't spend money because, you know, they, they, they're a little bit scared over, over these regulations. And listen, it's been a long time coming, but it shows you what the league is all about. And, and it clips the wings of those who've got any kind of ambition. The Premier, the Premier League will not like the fact that hardly any clubs have spent a penny in this window. Mm. Yeah, they won't. They won't like it. It's all for all for all intents and purposes, the window's been has it even opened? You know, barely anyone has made a signing, and that'll be and that'll be one of the reasons why because everyone's looking over their shoulder, worried about getting done because they've seen what's happened to Everton. Mm. You know what I mean? And 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 I'd love to. I've said this before. You know, I put it out on Twitter when the second charge came against. I want to see. I want to see everybody's accounts out there laid bare. Now I know, obviously, you can. You know, a lot of people came and responded to that comment saying, "Yeah, they're available. You can. You know, they're available for everyone to see." Yeah, but there's different versions of available, isn't there? You know, what you put in in terms of your accounts and what the Premier League view them as being is two different stories. That's part of the reason why we're being done, because our accounts, sh- you know, show that we can offset interest against the stadium. The Premier League is saying no, you can't. So it's all well and good putting accounts out there. It's how they're interpreted by the Premier League, isn't it? That's the key bit. You know, what costs can be put against the business? So I, I just think, yeah, it, it, you know, you, you're seeing it, like you said there, Mike, there's rumours that Newcastle have to sell. You know, there's, there's Trippier suddenly being linked away. You know, other players are being linked away to try and generate money. You know, Chelsea, the, you know, Gallagher's being linked a million times, obviously, with, with Spurs, you know, I mean, as, as a homegrown player, because they can make it, you know, it shows much better on the books because it's pure profit. You know, they won't like this, the fact that, you know, the fact that they're, they're being heavy-handed now and starting to throw things around to try and avoid a regulator, which is now actually then dampening the brand because no one's making any high-profile signings. Go on, Peter, let you have the, uh, the last word before we finish off. I was I was going to make a very similar comment to, to, to Lee, really. There's something ironic, isn't there, about how this has shut down the transfer window because that's not going to be in in the benefit and the interests of you know the the, the so-called you know big four or five favorites of of the premier league to hold the most power they will want to be able to to move you know to move players back and forth and to and to to bring in new signings um but it's going to damage the premier league as well because their fat cats are going to want a lot of money to exchange hands so they've got a really really interesting problem here and it's going to be fascinating how this plays out, but I, I can't, I can't see any other outcome than either them squirming out of it in a really political way that still screws Everton over, um, or this, you know, this kind of un- catastrophically unearthing something that questions the credibility of the Premier League, which sadly I think is less likely than um, than the former. Yeah, I think as Everton fans, we always think and feel the worst, don't we? So we, even if if changes afoot at Premier League level, um, we will still come out of it second best. That, that's what how we, we will always feel, regardless. But, you know, th- this appeal now has got to be it's got to be dealt with. And I mean, the fact that it's dragged on 
I said this last week, it, it just baffles me in terms of the fact that we've got overlapping things going on here, overlapping charges. They can't do anything until they deal with the first appeal. It hasn't been heard. He sat on it for a for months, and it's just incredible. Um, but we, we've got to have, going back to the start of the show, we need clarity as a club. Us, as fans, those who work at the club, the players, the manager, the coaches, staff, we all need clarity, a line drawn. This is exactly where we are. And let's try and move forward because this just helps absolutely nobody. And I include the sides in and around the, the bottom three with us as well. It helps nobody. So get on with it and let's get the let's get the appeal dealt with. Let's get our points back, which which we should be getting back. Um, look on to the second charge because if this goes our way, the first one, we know potentially then there's no second charge. We know that. Um, but I don't hold up much hope that they're going to move the backside in, in any kind of quick fashion. But that's us for this Sky, week. Sky, Sky can put all their yellow banners and yellow flags in the, in the box, the transfer day specials and all that rubbish that they seem to you know, drag out as well, like it's some sort of like, you know what I mean? Well, it's going to be the, it's going to be the worst, the worst transfer. It'll be the worst transfer deadline day, I think, for a long, long time. Um, it's been the worst window for a long, long time, but they've only got themselves to blame. It's, it's as simple as that. The, the product is taken an absolute hit, and I'm delighted, delighted for it. Um, but that's us for, for this week and for today. Uh, we'll be back. Obviously, we've got Fulham game Tuesday and then Spurs early game. Stupid kickoff time ourselves on a Saturday, uh, the, the forthcoming weekend. So we'll be back next weekend to look back on those those two games. So we will catch you then. <laughs>